Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Calvary. We had a video for you. It didn't seem to want to play. We're talking this morning about this idea that we're talking of transform. And our theme you're going to hear today is it's time to wake up. And that's what we're going to hear as we go walk through this this, uh, message today as we're looking through the books of Romans. But before we get started, let me just say, first of all, thank you. Welcome to Calvary. Thank you for being here. And I hope you have a wonderful day and all that you have to celebrate. But uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm looking forward to what God's going to say to us and hope you're ready to hear him because I think he's got something he wants us to hear. And based off of that, Romans chapter number 13 Verse number 11, the the Bible says this, it is now time for you to wake up from your sleep. That's going to be our theme for today, and and very simply what we're saying is, it's time to wake up, right? So in fact, I'd like you to say this with me. Would you just say this out loud with me? It's time to wake up. All right, now say it like you're awake. Let's try it one more time, okay? It's time to wake up. Very good. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. Give you permission At some point during this service, you're going to see this on the screen. I'm going to invite you to say it with me again. But when you do, turn to that person close to you that might be having a little trouble sleeping today and and get right in their face and go, it's time to wake. Could you do that with that? You have permission, okay, and you know who you are, all right? So we're going to – the point is this. There's something we want to get across, and I think Paul makes it very clear that this is the the point of our our, – where we're going to be walking today. I give you a picture here of something that, so this is for old school, we have an alarm clock, all right? Some of you still know what that is. It's a very, uh, very simple, but very, oh, we usually don't like what happens when that alarm clock goes. It, it does what it says it does. It alarms you. It startles you. It, it breaks you out of something that you were enjoying so much, right? It, it changes sometimes the trajectory of your, your life and the way it takes you where you're starting to be. That's what the, the idea that we're looking at. Remember the years ago, you used to go to a hotel, and rather than an alarm clock, you'd call down the front and say, I need a wake-up call, right? So 6 a.m., Mr. Switzer, it's time to wake up, right? This voice on the other end, it's that kind of something that startles you, gets you to change. My, our, our grandkids, I don't know who started this a few years ago. Some of you parents probably recognize this. But we'd play this game with our grandgirls. We'd get, we'd get a point, and Gigi or G-Pa would act like we're asleep. We'd be snoring away, and then they'd get right on top of us and go, wake up, you know, and then we'd, oh, we'd act like we're all scared. I, that was all so much fun. You ever done that? It was fun until one Sunday afternoon when I was actually out, right? I am gone, and they think it's time for a game. And I still remember this little face right on my chest going, wake up, G-Paw, and just scaring both of us all out of the room. You know what I'm getting? That startled, that alarming idea of it's time to wake up. Now, please understand from the very beginning, we're not talking about fear here, not talking about anxiousness. In fact, we're going to see that what he's going to, that this whole idea is not about being afraid of what's coming. It's about being aware of what's happening. It's about be, being the, the reality in which you're in, being alert to what's going on around you. That's the, the understanding. It's maybe that cliche, it's time to wake up and smell the coffee or smell the roses. It's that you're, yes, you are awake, but you're also alert. You're aware to what's going on. It's the idea of it's time to Wake up. So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, we're in Romans chapter number 13 today. We're going to be starting at verse number 11. 
And I want you to consider what I think Paul was telling us here in this passage. It, it was their wake-up call to the church in Rome. This was a, this, these few verses. It's a wake-up call. And I want you to consider the same. Personalize this. Hello, Mr. Switzer. Or you put your name in there. Uh, church, Calvary, this is, this is your wake-up call. This is a time to recognize God wants you to be alert and aware to what's happening around you. So as, as you look through this, we, let me start it this way. Verse number 11, just the first three words, and do this. Before I read through the verses, let me just stop right there because I want to make sure we get an understanding of, of what, what he's talking about. What does the this refer to? And do this. Well, let's back up just a little bit. If you were here last Sunday, verse number 8, he talked about this idea about debt. Remember, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. That preceding section is all about loving others and how that as God's people, he has called us to, to love others. And, and he starts in, in a couple sections about other believers, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and how we're to, to love them and care for them. And, and, and that sounds good and we, we believe it, but sometimes we all know that's challenging. Because we're all humans still. And so the, even loving the, the others in the family, sometimes that's difficult. But then he moves in several different ways, talking about those not even in the family, outside of the family of God, those unbelievers. He even mentions those who might oppose you or even talks about those who would persecute you. He's talking about loving your enemies even, right? It's, it's this, and, then, and then he did what we talked about a couple weeks ago, even loving those in governing authority over you. And we're not, and, he, and then he, if you go back chapter 12, verse 9, a few more verses, he actually describes this love. It is to be a love that is sincere, a love that's, that's genuine. It's not just saying, yeah, I love them, or I'm, I'm going it's, to, it's literally doing what you can to, for their best interest. He actually says, be devoted to one another in love. So right before, what is the this? Do this, he says, is, is what we know immediately. It has to do with Christians, this love that he's telling us about. That's what you do, and you do this now. But most scholars would take this, do this, back even further than that, to the beginning of this last section of Romans, chapter 12, verse number 1, as he transitions in these last few verses. And, and all that we've been learning these last few weeks, so remember we talked about our, our lives as a living sacrifice. We talked about serving. We talked about, um, as we mentioned, loving and loving one another and all these different, all this stuff he's telling us about, all these things that we're learning. And the next chapter, he's going to get some real practical ideas. But it's as if Paul stops right here and he says, folks, as the people are reading it, it's as if he's saying, I, I, I don't want you just to hear what I've said and then kind of put it in your pocket and say, I'll, you know, I hope that works someday, you know, kind of put it away for later. He says, I want you to do this, right? What I'm telling you, he says, is time-sensitive material. You need to do this, this love, this sacrifice, all this. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be, what's the word? Transformed. All of this, do this and do it now. That's the, that's the mode, the mood that we're going to talk about as we move through these verses. Let me read what we're talking about. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. 
Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousingness, uh, carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. All right, so here's what we're talking about. I need your help on this one, right? So look at the person next to you. It's time to what? Wake up. All right? Some of you are already asleep. It's already working. Okay? I got that. So as we get through this, we're, we're looking at what this means that Paul is telling us to, to wake up. L- look at that verse 11 again. The, one of the first phrases, understanding the present time. It's time to wake up, but let's understand what time we're living in. Maybe you've heard the question, do you know what time it is? I mean, you know, it's like, and, and it's funny, the Whenever we don't have internet in, available, we could look and I could ask five different people and you'd all have a different time. It's, it's like we're synchronizing our watches. You know what time it is. There was an old uh, Chicago song, if those of you who are Chicago fans, and it says, do you, can, does anyone really know what time it is? Or do you really know what the time is? Uh, the point is that, that sounds very philosophical for a rock band, but the point is this. Do we know the time in which we're living? Do we know the time that, that we are currently occupying in this point in history? Uh, 1947, there was a group of scientists. Actually, they started two years before. They were a group of atomic scientists. The, the group was actually started by Albert Einstein. And, and this group would come together. And in 1947, they came up with what they called the doomsday clock. I don't know if you ever heard of that. The doomsday clock is based on their opinion of when everything's going to going to end, basically the end of the world, and that would be midnight, right? And so they set these times based off their calculations, and, and they use things such as, you know, nuclear war and, and the climate issues and all this, and they have devised what they believe to be scientific ideas of how close we're getting to the end, right? Uh, but back, for instance, 2002, they said we're seven minutes till midnight. Well, after 2020, in January of 2021, these same guys got together, and they said we are now 100 seconds from midnight, 100 seconds from, from doomsday. That's their impression. Now, here's what I want you to get. That's not what Paul's doing here. Paul's not giving us a doomsday clock, as in everything is, is kind of collapsed. That's not his fear at all. Here's what we know. With people, it, whatever the, the world is and the culture of our society, it's all based on a foundation of fear. But Christians, here's what we know. We don't come from the point of fear. We come from the point of of faith. We know a God who is in control of all of this. So we're not talking about a doomsday. And and the idea that everything is is crumbling, it's the idea that, that what we look at is that God is doing something. God is working, and we just need to understand this this place, this time that God has placed us, that we are here on purpose. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he says, to everything there is a, a time. There is something that God is doing. You're not here by accident. That's it. Do I understand the time? The the word time, it has chronology involved, but it literally means that word used is an appointed time. There is an appointment. You are living in an appointment. You are living in a, a period in which God has put you here on purpose. All of you sitting before me, all of you watching online, we are here 
on purpose and an appointed time. In fact, another translation of this is simply that it is a strategic season, he says. Knowing not just the time, but the strategic season. Do you understand the fact that God has a reason? There is a, a, a strategic purpose for you being alive on this day, in this place, in the way that God has made you. There's an Old Testament, I think, classic example of what, what Paul was saying. In fact, Paul could have been kind of quoting from this, in my opinion, because he, there, in the reign of King David, early in his, in his uh, kingdom, gives a, a record of people who were coming on his team. They were filling up the kingdom, and there were people from different places, and they all had their skill sets, things that they would bring to help the kingdom. And so in First Chronicles 12, 32, it talks about a group from Issachar, and listen to how it describes them. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. That's very similar to what Paul's saying, the understanding of the times. They knew what was going on around them. They were aware. They were alert. And notice, because they were alert, they knew what to do. They knew the right decisions to make. That's what Paul is telling us. There is an appointed time in which you live, and if you understand that, there's a measure of confidence. If I understand who I am, why I'm here, or that God has put me here for a reason, that I can do the part and I can understand the times and do what God has called me to do. The psalmist put it this way, teach us, God, to number our days. I I would say that has to do with with understanding the times which we live in. But notice he says, so that I can gain a heart of wisdom. I need to know what to do, and I understand that more when I understand the times, the present times in which I'm living. Uh, If we go back to our verse, verse 11, understanding the present time, and notice this, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber or your sleep. When he says that, that the hour's already come, what he's saying is, do you get how urgent this is? The alarm is going off that you, you need to wake up now because the time has already come. It is already in, in process what you're, what you're supposed to be doing. A, a few years ago, some of you maybe in the room that were there, we, we took a missions trip to Haiti a couple years ago. And when we take that trip, you, make, you, you stop over Miami, then you have a long layover. So we wanted to get a little bit of sleep. So we went to a motel to get sleep, but we had to be leaving the motel at 4.30 in the morning. Had to leave to get to the airport for our next flight, right? So everybody splits up in their rooms, and everybody's got their plans. Or it's going to set the alarm, and, and everybody, everything's coming. And so I get down there, and I'm in the lobby, and everyone is there except four, four of the ladies that were on the trip. It's 425, and everyone's there. Everyone's getting on the van except these, these four ladies. And I'm not going to mention any names. My wife was one. I won't tell you her name, okay? But it, she was there. She was in that room. So 425, I think, now that's kind of odd that they're not even, I don't even see any of them. So I gently go down the hall to their room, and, and it's, it's mysteriously very quiet in the room. I, I'm listening. So I knock on the door, and, and suddenly the noise begins. You can hear feet hitting the floor. You can hear things being thrown around. Someone sticks out their head. I don't remember who it was. He goes, we'll be right there. And then they shut the door, and they're going crazy. Obviously, someone had missed the appointed time. And so they get out, but to their credit, within seven minutes, all four of those ladies were in the van. Now, there was no toothbrushes involved. <laughs> there, there was no hairbrushes that had been used. And, in fact, I heard one lady say, I'm not even sure I'm wearing all the same garments that belong to me. I get that, you know. <laughs> Understand, that's how it, but they made it. That's the spirit that he's saying here. 
wake up because the time has already come for you to wake up. It's here. It's what you need to do, and you need to do it now. And he says, it's time for you to wake up out of your slumber. Christians, he, that's who he's talking to, those who are followers of Christ. You under, get what he's saying. The fact that not that you're dead, that you're not fought one of God's kids, but you're asleep. The word actually used here is the word we get our word hypnotism from. It's hypnos. It's the idea of, of you, you're, you're, you're there, you're alive, you're breathing, but you're not really conscious. You're not really moving. You're a Christian sleepwalker, right? You, you, your motor skills are going. You may be coming to church. You may be giving even a little bit. You may be, uh, you may be praying sometimes, reading your Bible, but you're not applying it. It's there, but it's not. He says, it's time to wake up. You're in some kind of hypnotic state here, Christians. It's time to, and I encourage it again, it's time to what? Wake up. That's what Paul is telling us. It's time to, 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 to wake up. Now, I'm going to give you today three reasons I think I see in this. Paul tells us why this is so important. And then we'll talk about a couple of specific what's involved, what, what it looks like for us to wake up. Let me give you the first, the why. Wake up, very simply, because... Time is short. Your, your appointed time has an ending, and to use the phrase, the clock is ticking. Time is short. Look at our verse again. Our salvation, Paul says, speaking to Christians, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Verse 12, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Do you understand the time that you're living in, Christians? He says our salvation is near. But again, please look at this. This is not doomsday. This is not negative. He's not telling us as Christians of something that we have to fear or to be a dread of. This, isn't a, a, this is a reality check, but it's not a, a doomsday idea for us. This is good news. Look at the phrases he used. Our salvation is nearer. Our salvation through Christ is nearer. Now you say, I don't, I don't get that. Our salvation, I thought that was something that happened when I, when I received Jesus. Let me explain. The Bible gives us... Well, uh, three specific words, and there are different explanations, but let me give them to you. You can write them down if you'd like, that talk about our salvation. Past, present, and future of what salvation means for us. Our past is the word justification. That's the fact that as sinners, we're lost before a holy God. We, we can't stand before him, but Jesus died for us, and we receive that gift of eternal life. He washes away our sins. He makes it as if, as if we've never sinned. We're justified. We're born into God's family. We become one of God's kids. Once and for all, our, our sins are forgiven, and that is a, a moment in time that we must experience if we're going to understand salvation at all, and I hope that you have. But if you're listening, you've not experienced that, that that's where it starts, at the point of receiving Christ your Savior. That's past, justification. Then the Bible talks about a phrase we'll call sanctification. The word means he's made, making us holy, setting us apart. That's where we live right now, between the point of our justification and when we see Jesus. We're living in sanctification. We're living in how God is changing us. He's transforming us from the inside out. Every day he's making us more and more like himself, more and more like Jesus, right? And he's, he's working in us and he's correcting us and the Spirit's rebuking us and we're learning. And all that's part of where we're at right now. That's the process. And it's all leading to that third word, which we would call glorification. That's the word that when we see Jesus, 
we will be like him. We will see him. There'll be no more pain. There will be no presence of sin. Uh, sin doesn't have an effect on us at all because it's, we're in this glorified state. If you want an example, Romans chapter 8, some good homework for you. Go back and read that. It gives you an idea of, of where we're going and what that, that looks like. And it's all this, this, this point of where we're going in Christ and we will see him. And one day, Jesus is coming. He's going to make everything new. That's when our salvation will be complete. And so look what he says. Your salvation, that completeness is nearer than it's ever been. If you were saved 10 years ago, then you're 10 years closer than you were to your salvation being complete. If you were saved last week, we had, we had six young people accept Christ this week at, at youth camp. Phenomenal stuff. Their journey started this week, but they're, they're now three days closer than they were when they received Jesus. Does that make sense? You're now nearer than you were when you first believed. That's good news, Christians, right? But that's not all. Look what else he says. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Again, Christians, we gotta, we got to renew our minds. We talked about that. We've got to not let the world get us into this doomsday that everything is, is falling apart, that we don't have any. There's still a God who is in control. The way they use it, the, the doomsday idea is everything's getting darker. It's getting dimmer. And it's getting dimmer to the point where the lights are just going to go out and everything's going to be over. If I understand what he's saying here, Christians, what we're seeing going on around us should actually help us understand that what that means is it's, it's actually getting lighter for us. It's getting brighter for those of us who follow Christ because we know where, where we're going. Anybody ever experienced early morning? I mean, early morning before the, before the sun actually, not very many of us, I get that, but there's a few of you, right? So we're talking early in the morning, if you've ever been there, and you look out in the horizon, and it's just black. It's just dark. But as the sun begins to rise, at least the way it appears, the, the sky begins to get lighter and lighter as the sun comes up. And even before the sun actually rises, you can see the, the clouds begin to brighten. That's the picture he has here. That the closer we get to Jesus coming, the closer we have to understanding our salvation complete. That all these things even we see around us, when the world's out of control, we know God is in control. And so what we see is the sun is rising. Jesus is literally gets closer to his coming. So it's getting brighter for us, Christians. That's the point here, that God is pouring that into them. And it's, he's saying the time, it's time to wake up because the day is coming. It's almost here now. We're almost to the completion 1 Corinthians 7, 29, look what he says. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. Now, I want you to notice something. I, something I just point out. It's interesting. He's, he didn't say it's that time is short, although that could be accurate. It, that, that, yes, time is brief, and, and we'll talk about But he actually puts that little word, the, in there. The time is short. It's the same phrase we just talked about. That means your appointed time is shorter than you think. In comparison to eternity, if you live 20, 40, 60, 90 years in this life, still all of those years are just, just a pinprick in the, in the scope of eternity. And what he's saying is the time that you have, the appointed time that you're here, and you don't know how long it's going to be. God does. But whatever that is, it's brief. It's short. In fact, as you go on down to the book of Psalms, here's what uh, David said to God. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. He said, at best, each of us is but a breath. And the verse before, he said this, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. Wake up. 
and see that our days are limited. Your time is here. You're here for a reason, but it is it's short. It's brief. It, it won't last forever. And salvation's nearer. The day is almost here. God is coming. But remember when he wrote this. Think about this. That was nearly 2,000 years ago. So we're now 2,000 years closer than when Paul wrote these words. The time is near. Salvation is 2,000 years nearer than it was at that moment. So what's our, it's time to wake up. Peter put it this way. He says, knowing these things are all going to go away, the destruction is coming, what kind of people ought you to be? And he answers his question this way. You ought to live a holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed it's coming. You're looking forward to what God's going to do. You know what God's plan is. And so knowing that, you want to live your life in any way you can. Because why? Here's our phrase. Say it with me. It's time to wake up. That's what, that's what Paul is telling. It's, that's the time. In fact, if you keep going, here's another reason. Wake up because not only is time short, but this is a time of war. We're understanding the time. Here's what we got to get that in perspective. We got to understand what what the surroundings we live in. It's not just life as normal. There is, a, there is an institute. Look at verse 12. At the end of the verse, he mentions, put on the armor of light. He's going to talk about putting on, but he makes it very clear. This is a, this is a battlefield motif. Put on your uniform for battle. We, we know in Ephesians 6, we'll, we'll see how the armor of God and the different pieces. It, they may sound different then. They talk about a shield and breastplate. We're talking about today we would say bulletproof vests, and we've still got a helmet, and you've got your, your weapons. But it's the same, same picture is you're, you're in battle. There's a war involved here. And so we, we need to understand, we're going to understand the times. Now, again, it's not fear, Christians. Christians, we don't have to be afraid of the battle because, don't forget this, um, the king that we follow, the one that's in lead, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is, the battle already belongs to the Lord, the Bible says. He, he says in Romans 8 that we're more, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he goes on to say, if, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? So we don't have to fear. I remember the old cl cliche I heard from a preacher years ago. He says, I, we've read the back of the book and we win. We get it. We know where this is going. We know that God, but here's something that this tells us. Christians, we got to wake up to the fact that there's an enemy that wants to take us out if he could. He is an enemy that has, has he's referred to as a roaring lion. He's one who's out to steal and kill and destroy. And he can't, if you're a Christian, he can't have your soul, but he, he'll do anything to destroy your effectiveness, even take your, the, your, the effectiveness of your body and, and your, your health. Anything that he can, he's going to do whatever in that possibility. And it's the idea, we've got an enemy that's out to get us, and he wants to destroy us. We have to understand we're at war. And in, in this war, we need to, to, to move with that understanding. We are, as it's been said, we, are, we need to have a wartime mentality. To recognize that we have actions, the things that we have, what we do with what we have, all of that needs to be uh, needs to be prefaced by the fact that I'm at war. That means there may be some things that if they don't go my way, that's all right because that's what happens in wartime. When that, when things that I may not get to do that I just wanted to do, that's that's because we're in a state of war. We are in a battle, and we've got to we've got to confront it that way. We have an armor that goes before us. I want you to hear Jesus speak to a church. In Revelation chapter 3, 
Jesus is addressing a specific church, and they have some problems, much like what Paul is talking about. Look, in Revelation 3, the church is in Sardis. He says this, I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Wow. It's pretty pretty freight. Uh, Frightening, isn't it? Kind of straighten your face. You're dead. You're, you're at least, you may have, but you look like you're dead. Look at the next verse. Wake up. That sounds familiar, right? Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Church, I've got a job for you to do and it's not done, but you're not doing it. So what do you do? Wake up. You look like you're dead. You're, you're, not, you're not doing what it's been called to do. As you keep going, the next verse, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. You've got some issues. You need to repent and turn, church. Wake up. Because the last verse says, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time, uh, what time I will come to you. You know, we don't have to fear our enemy, we, we'll talk about the importance of, of knowing who he is, but that's not what we're afraid of. But what we should be concerned about is what is our commander-in-chief going to find us doing when he comes? When he does come as a thief, how, are we going to be engaged doing what he's, are we going to be asleep at our post? That's what he's saying to this church. It's time to, to, to wake up, to understand the time and do something about it. Let me give you a couple practical things Paul gives us in Romans 13. It's time to wake up and, and get dressed for battle. If this is war, the time is short, then, then what, do we, what do we get into this battle looking like? The, you know, before each of us, before we get on with our day, we're going to wear the, the clothes appropriate to whatever that looks like. If you're going to go and, and have fun, you, you wear the clothes for that. If you're going to go to work, some of you, uh, you drive a truck or you, you work in a, in a combine, or, combine or a tractor or you're a school teacher. I mean, all of that, there's, there's a, maybe it's a tie. Maybe it's a, a certain attire. Maybe it's a uniform. You're a nurse or a doctor. You're a fitness instructor. And all of that's going to be different based on, but you, you know what to dress. You dress appropriately. Of course, COVID kind of mess some of us up, right? Just, just a thought. Make sure you put your pants on before you turn on COVID. That's just a, I'm just throwing that in as a, as a sign. But that's the point. There's, there's, you know what's appropriate to wear. So look what Paul says. A couple of times he tells us, chapter 13, verse 12, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Your, your version may say put off and put on. Either way, it's the same, same idea. But he says there are some things that need to come off of what we're wearing. Some of the things that we're doing, some of our activities need to, to be removed. But when he says put aside, that's actually more, of a, more than a term of just, so oh, I'm going to change my shirt. I got this one dirty. I, I'm going to take it and put it on. The Lord literally, as, as one scholar said, means to cast off as if on fire. This isn't just something that's eh, maybe holding me back a little bit. It's something that's destroying me. It's killing me, what it's doing to my spiritual life. There are certain things that need to be, to be ripped off and get, get rid of as quick as possible. And then he says to put on the armor of God. Ephesians 6, 11, Paul said it this way, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Followers of Christ, here's what you got to remember. You cannot win this battle on your own. You don't have the wherewithal. The, the devil's a time, uh, a, a timed enemy. He's had a lot of years, the roaring lion, to come after, and you on your own are not going to defeat him. His schemes 
are beyond your pay grade. But you can stand against the devil if you're wearing the armor of God. The armor of God will allow you to stand, but you've got to be dressed in what God has given. You can't do this on your own, but it can be done with the armor of God upon your, your life. It's the idea of letting God do his work in, in you. So look at what he says. Put off, number one. He says, cast off as if on fire. The idea, before you can suit up with the armor, there's some things you need to remove, right? Look at the list that he gives us. So go back to verse 13. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Remember, we're not, we're not of the dark. We're of the daytime. In the day, he says, do what, what is in the daytime activities, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Now, the point he's trying to make is whatever it is that is, that is destroying or hurting your life, get rid of it. But he gives us a few examples. This isn't exhaustive. My guess is these are some things that were probably happening in this first church there in Rome. But they're, they kind of under, help us understand that there are things that culture deems acceptable. Culture says it's okay. And, and to be honest, some of these words, if you're listening, people will go, oh, that's, you know, that's old-fashioned. Those things are no, no longer in vogue. Boys will be boys. That's just the way it goes. We gotta, you do what makes you feel good kind of an idea. And, and, and what I want to encourage you, what he's saying is don't drink that Kool-Aid. There are things, Christians, that God says to us that if we're going, to, we're going to wake up, that we've got to remove certain articles and get them off of us so that we can go forward. You look at some of this. If it's a, the idea of maybe it's in that realm of the partying atmosphere, he says that's something that's going to take. So get rid of it. If it's in the area of sexual immorality, get rid of it. Understand, God says sex is a gift, but it is for a couple inside of marriage after they've made the commitment, and it's God's plan, one man, one woman, one lifetime. That's God's plan. Anything outside of that, he said, get rid of it, Christians. Don't let the world tell you it's okay now. Only prudes think that. We, the Bible says it's still truth. It's still what God has called us to do. He says, take that off of our life. And you say, okay, I, I got that. I'm, that's not, I'm not in those number one through four. But wait, there's a couple more words he uses. Did you notice those last two? Take off dissension and jealousy. He puts those in the same category. They're the same kind of issues that Christians, we need to off of our lives. The idea of, of maybe we've got our, our morality in a place, but he says those things, the, the idea of Christians not understanding how to love one another, not understanding how to, to get along together. He says those things need to be taken away from us. Those are the things that are keeping us from doing what God has called us to do. Christians, these aren't acceptable. Tear them off as if they're on fire from our lives. Cast those things aside. But then he tells us to put on, look what he says in verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Take those garments off and put on, it's the same word that he used before, put on, clothe, but now it's different. It's not a suit of armor, it's a person. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's like that picture of putting on a on a warm coat on a cold day. It's, it, he, wrap him around you. You can feel that embrace. You can feel the care. You can feel the warmth. But based on context, it's more than just that comforting feeling. It's also put him on. Put what his attitude. 
Let his mind be in you. Let his activities, what Jesus would do, you start your day and you spend time with him. You spend time in his presence and you let that enwrap you so that now I'm making this decision based on my connection, my relationship with Jesus Christ because I put him on before I I leave in this morning. I'm, I'm allowing that to clothe my life with what God would want me to do because it's, it's time to, to wake up, to put Jesus on. I, I give you another. It's also, he said, not only time to get dressed, but it's time to stop, and I'll put it this way, stop feeding the flesh. As Christians, there are things we need to take off, but we also got to understand that the, the enemy that's after us, he, he uses all kinds of different ways to, to try to entice us, if you would. But I want you to look what he says in verse 14 again. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, but notice, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Or one popular version says this, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You're you're in a battle, the enemy wants to take you out, but the, the battle really comes down to what's inside of you, your flesh. And he says, here's what some of us as Christians, we've we've not yet figured it out, that we actually make things worse. When he says make provision, that's words just what you think it is. Provision is is food. It's it's resources. It's, it's fuel for your tank, right? And he says what, what we do sometimes is we literally set a place at the table for the devil in our lives. We, his, his enticements, they're real, but we actually say, hey, why don't you come on in because of the things we involve ourselves in. We put the provision there and we make it easy on the devil to tempt us. That's what happens in my life. It's a matter of, there are certain things, I, I feel like there are certain days the devil's on a vacation with a Mai Tai somewhere because I don't, he doesn't have to, I'm just making a mess myself. I've set the place, I've set a place for those temptations to take over. It's about where I go and what I listen to and who I associate with and the things that I allow to come into my mind. If, if, let's go back to the words he used, if drunkenness and carousing, if that's, that's an issue, then, then you probably would, would understand that if I, if I find myself in a bar, that's probably not a good place if I'm having that as an issue. Or if sexual immorality is an issue and I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in tempting situations or I'm watching things or I'm looking at things or I, I'm not holding myself accountable to what I watch on my computer, all of those things, I'm just setting a place for the devil to say, come on in and tempt me. He says, make no provision. Don't give the devil any help. Don't make it easy for him to to get a foothold in your life. That's why so many times we're told to watch out, to not let the devil get his foot in the door. Don't let him, don't set provisions to make it easy for those things. Do what God is, to take those things off and then stop feeding the flesh. Stop making a fuel stop for your flesh to continue to entice you because it's time for us to wake up. Why? One last thought, wake up because... God has called us for this time. Look at verse 11 one more time. Understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Christians, you are here right now in this time, at this point in history, in this place where God has put you. You're here for reason. You're here on purpose. God has a plan. We are his people. We are in this place So God says, wake up to the fact that you're here because I want you here. I've got a plan for you here. It it reminds me of the the Old Testament story. Maybe you've read it. The book of Esther is all about a a young Jewish girl who was put in the position of queen of Persia, right? 
But most of you have heard the verse that just kind of summarizes the whole book, chapter 4 and verse 14, when she was asked, and who knows, but that you, Esther, have come to your royal position for such a time as this. That's what I would say to each one of us. Followers of Christ, you realize you are here, where you are, in your neighborhood, at your job, with your family, for this time. For the time just like this. That's why you're, you are in this appointed time. And that appointed time is brief, but it is the time that God has given you. God has called you for this. That's why Ephesians 5 says this. Paul says, this is why I said, or it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ was like, that was perfect timing right there. Don't you hate that thing? Especially early in the morning when you're just snoozing away and that thing... Would anybody like to turn it off? You only just leave it going. Anybody want to throw it across the room? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the point. It is time for us to wake up. Paul goes on to say, knowing the time, it is now time to rise from sleep. But then verse 15, be very careful how you live. If you know that alarm could sound any time, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It's time to what? Wake up. It's time for us to wake up, to let God do what he's, the time has already come. Are we going to listen to what he has told us? to do. As I was thinking about this and based off our day-to-day celebrating our freedoms of our country, I also got to thinking, Christians, unless we've got our head in the sand, we've got to know that there's issues that our country has. There's some there's some problems, morality. We're not a perfect country. We've got, is, there, is there anything that could be done to make a difference in the country in which we live in, to, to see some things happen? And, and, and as I thought, here's the thing. We sang earlier, God bless America. What a great song. But you know, you hear that in a lot of places. You hear it at ball games. You hear a lot of people say, oh, God bless America, right? And the point is this. God's not going to bless America because the politicians get it right or because the crime goes down. God's not blessing America until God's people do something. Until God's people wake up to the fact that we are here in this time for a reason. You're, this America that we live in, you're living at this point of history for a purpose. This time is ours. What are we going to do with it? There's a verse of Scripture, the Old Testament, and, and I, I carefully presented it. 2 Chronicles 7.14 is used a lot of times and places. But we've got to remember that the people that he's talking about was specifically the Jewish people, and their land was the promised land that God had promised them. So this isn't a, a direct promise for us, but there are some principles that I think are still valid for us as believers. Look what he says. If my people who are called by my name, we are called by his name now, according to 1 Peter, we are his children. So us, if we will humble ourselves and they pray and they seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, there's our, rip it off and get rid of it. Turn from what, look what he says will happen. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. God promises can you turn the lights back on for just a moment? We're not sure what happened. But anyway, you'll, you'll see me in just a second. The point is this. God says that he will heal if God's people do something about it. It's time for us to what, Christians? Wake up. 
It's time for us to wake up and to do what God has called for us to do. So I take us back to our, our verse, the hour has already come for us, for you, for me, for us, for us to wake up. This is our time. What are we going to do about it? I'll, I'll put it this way. This morning there may be some within this audience who have not yet received the gift of Jesus Christ that was purchased when he gave his life on the cross for you. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you're thinking about it. You've got questions. But can I just remind you today that there is a, there is a period of time, and this time, according to 2 Corinthians 6, 2, today is the time. Now is the time. Today, if, if God has spoken to, you or to your heart, would you receive that gift that God has given you? Understand that you're a sinner before a holy God, and God gave his life for you and came to life again on the third day and say, Jesus, save me. I repent and I will follow you. Would you receive his gift today, this time? This is your time. Would you receive that gift? If you say, I have, I'm one of God's kids, then, then understand what we just read. This is for us. It's time for us Christians to wake up, to wake up to what God has called us, to wake up to the fact that we are here for a reason, for his purpose. This is our time to wake up. Would you bow your heads with me, please? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I ask you to just consider what we've talked about today. Understanding it is our time to wake up. God has us here for a reason. So with that being said, if there's someone here this morning, you've not yet received Christ as Savior, I, I wouldn't challenge you right now in the quietness of this moment. If you understand what God has said to you, just cry out from your heart, God, I'm a sinner and I realize that I need a Savior. I believe you died and rose for me. I repent and follow you. Please save me. Would you just call out to him today? If you have questions about what that looks like or what, how that happens, we'd love to talk to you. Give me a, talk to me after the service. Put it on your connection card. I'd love to know how we can help you take that. And if you do make that step, tell someone, the person who brought you or let us know so we can be praying and helping you take your next steps. But no, today is the day. Would you receive him? But Christians, as we take a few moments here, in what areas God said it's time for you to wake up? You're, you're, you're breathing, but it's not, you're not moving much. It's time to wake up and do what God has called us to do. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. I pray, God, that you will help us to take the the point of this message and realize that where we're living, the time is short, the time is real, but the time is, is where you have put us. And Lord, we, we know that you have called us to wake up and to, to follow you and to do what you have called us to do. So God, please stir that in the hearts of your people. And if there is one this morning that's still without a relationship with you, please draw them to yourself so that they too can know your grace, your salvation through Jesus Christ. If their heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I encourage you to take a moment and think about what we've talked about. Spend some time speaking to the Lord about what he's been speaking to you about this morning.